Hello and welcome to the Higher Enlightenment Podcast, brought to you by Higher Yields Cannabis Consulting, your seed to sale business solutions team. My name is Adam, part of the creative team here at Higher Yields, and today we'll be discussing THC, the pressure of the market, with our guests Anthony Atkins, Jesse Larson, and Taylor Evans. In this first episode of a three-part series, we're looking at the pressures of the THC market. Companies like Budweiser are expanding into the infused drink market with their Beyond Beer product line. While THC has historically been associated with smoking, vaping, and edibles, we're now seeing major labels expand their marketing into beverages. In this episode, we explore how this expansion will impact the cannabis market and what, if anything, smaller cannabis businesses can and need to do in order to remain competitive and relevant. So, let's get on with the show. Well, let's start by having you guys introduce yourselves. Let's start with you, Anthony. I'm Anthony Atkins, Director of Business Development with Higher Yields. And uh, my role responsibility within the organization is to connect the market to higher yields and connect higher yields to the market. A lot of, uh, you know, ecosystem development, partnership development, account client development, you know, making sure the experience with higher yields is a, is a great one, but also making sure and allocating the correct resources uh, for our clients' particular projects. So really excited to be here. Well, thanks for being here. Uh, Taylor, could you introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Taylor Evans. I am the client support advocate here at Higher Yields. My role focuses on connecting with potential clients and partners, really to ensure they're directed to the correct resources on our team. Okay, thanks. How about you, Jesse? I'm Jesse Larson. I'm the director of design, build, and systems implementation here at Higher Yields Consulting. Uh, my basic goal with the uh, with the firm is to bring the clients vision to life, uh, paint them the best picture possible of what their facility is going to be, whether it be retail, extraction, cultivation, processing, distribution, um, and make sure that that facility is not only compliant with uh, the cannabis standards within uh, its given municipality, but also that it's going to be cost efficient and effective throughout the lifetime of that facility as well and for the client. Okay, thanks. Well, on to the first question. What is currently going on in the THC market? And tell us about this new infused drink market. Well, that's uh, it's pretty interesting because what we're seeing is we're definitely seeing as technologies advance in extraction and the creation of infused environments, uh, the beverage industries are really taking note. Um, most notably, you know, rumor has it that Budweiser is, has created a whole separate division, uh, prepping and getting ready uh, from that standpoint. There are other uh, opportunities that I've come across where there is an infusion of coffee uh, products, whether it be cold brew elements or hot elements that uh, have an infused nature to them. Um, in addition, uh, we're seeing the concentrate environment where uh, even drinks uh, that are naturally infused with a bitter, like a Manhattan old fashioned and a craft cocktail environment, uh, they're beginning to use infused uh, bitters uh, with THC. So we're seeing a, a wide variety of things that are coming that are coming forth. 
you know, both on a small scale, but a large scale uh, that, uh, you know, that are occurring, you know, in, in the marketplace and, and emerging and the like. Yeah. And to piggyback off of that, something that we've seen throughout um, our time in the cannabis industry is that a majority of the users tend to prefer one or the other, and there's not a lot of mixing. Of course, you know, it, it is um, situation dependent. However, there's in, in the world of vices, the, the culture is starting to turn away from heavy uh, indulgence in alcohol and to more into a better alternative that has less detrimental health effects than, than booze does. And something with the maturity of the industry and each individual, um, I shouldn't say individual, but each location where recreational cannabis has been allowed or adult use that the, the correlations between drop in alcohol use and a rise in cannabis use can be directly tied to that, that, that uh, ability for uh, adult use. And so really being in front of the customer trends that are going to be coming down the pipe with any type of mature market is going to be advisable. And that's something that we're starting to see a lot of uh, companies, not just within cannabis, but that surround cannabis and that might, may want to um, have a piece of that pie, uh, start creating those divisions, start um, doing their exploitation, uh, exploration process in, in how this can be profitable for them and how they can be there throughout the life of this industry. Yeah, because and to echo what Jesse's saying, I mean, what we're experiencing is almost a whole new product category in the beverage industry. Um, it's not an infusion of a seltzer. It's not a, you know, THC infused beer. It's not, you know, a THC, like I was mentioning before, an additive or, an, or a bitter that's being added to a alcoholic beverage but we're actually seeing most likely a whole new category emerge uh, that is that that is THC based and uh, not added to um, or enhanced or enhancing another alcoholic uh, type of beverage. So who is leading the way in the THC market? Who is leading the way? Well, I mean... I yeah, uh, Jesse, because uh, the initial thoughts I had were with regards to the really the the emergence of the edible um, environment in 2021 and how that's even evolving. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of difference in, in each different state where adult use is is um, legal and, and regulated. Um, there, you're, you're going to have your standouts here in Colorado. Um, I myself in particular to Keith Cola, I like them, um, for what they do. Um, however, in each state, it's going to be a different person leading the way. And that's one of the, the biggest issues that we see with, with a, with cannabis being still labeled a schedule one narcotic. There is a lot of pullback from the general community to do that research and development and to get things going. There are companies that are taking the leap because they see which way the wind is blowing. And it, 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 from, from all, all perspectives, it looks like cannabis will, will be federally uh, decriminalized at least here in the near future. And so there's going to be a lot of opportunities opening up, but to narrow it down to one, one company that's really leading the way 
I really don't think that there is one. Um, we're all pretty scattered still right now, um, but through through the maturity of this of this industry, we're all going to start coming together. And so, I think for for that question, Adam, it's um, it, it, it's not. I, I we could give you an answer, but it would be kind of disingenuous um, because there are a lot of people working towards the same goal, and the more people that realize that, the more collaboration um, can be had within the cannabis industry. Um, and we, we can help push those people forward. However, right now, everybody is kind of doing their, their own thing, um, which is not a bad thing, not a bad thing at all. Um, however, if we all have a shared goal and a shared objective to be working towards, we might be able to help those people stand out a little bit more if that's what they want to do. So what, if anything, should smaller cannabis businesses do to keep up? Diversify and ensure that you stand out with your compliance, your work ethic, and your product. Uh, anybody within the cannabis who's lasted this long within cannabis is going to be here to stay. Um, but that's the, the barrier that smaller cannabis companies need to hop over is, is that diversification. How do they stand out amongst the crowd? What do you do differently? Because when we get to a mature market within cannabis, it, 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 it's, it's similarities to the alcohol market are, are numerous. And especially when it comes into the type of product that that customer is going to be getting, it really becomes more about the, the presentation, the marketing, the branding, and how that product sets itself apart from everything else on the shelves. And so... From my end, the biggest things that smaller cannabis companies can do is diversify. Yeah, I think that uh, like we talked about in our last podcast with regards to branding, how crucial brand really is. I mean, not only because everybody, quote unquote, has the best, you know, raw product, everybody has the best infusion, everybody has the best formula. Um, that may be true in some instances, but still it's about building trust in the marketplace, it's by have a, having an established or establishing a brand that actually builds the story of why um, within those organizations. But, you know, I, I don't I mean, I believe that, you know, smaller organizations or boutique environments um, are, are going to have a mainstay in the industry, uh, even though you have these multi-state opera, uh, operators and these brands that, you know, seem to to jump. Um, the boutique element is always going to be in play and to really focus on craft, to really focus on brand, to really focus on the why and establishing that trust with, uh, with the consumer is, uh, is going to be key and uh, allowing yourself, allowing themselves the opportunity to expand, especially within the market that they originate or are operating in. So what about the importance of taste and flavors in the THC market? Yeah, I'd, I'd say the taste is, you know, <clears throat> what a lot of consumers judge right off the bat. So working to fuse out that cannabis taste as much as possible while still providing a mild to potent effect and kind of that d diversity in drink flavors, you know, creating a drink that can be sold more than just in dispensaries or like restaurants airplanes yeah really balancing that a lot of people especially with the younger generations noticed a drop-off in um, stronger tasting drinks and I, and I keep coming back to the alcohol market but 
it's one of the best it's it's one of the best um measuring sticks that we have right now to measure against cannabis and the the, the taste aspect the um the amount of drinkers of hard whiskeys, scotch, vodkas, uh, any any type of alcohol that you would drink straight has gone down as well. And an increase in mixed drinks, uh, cocktails, fruity things, uh, it, it, it kind of starts hitting all over the place with the, with the style. But what I'm what I'm getting at is that that taste behind it. A lot of people want to want to have the effects without knowing what they're having, and be able to drink that drink or consume that product in a way in which they are not necessarily thinking that, oh, this is cannabis, it's going to make my breath smell, it's going to make everything, I'm, I'm going to smell like weed all day, no, no, you're going to be fine, you know, nobody's going to notice it, and that type of, um, uh, I, you know, pulling, hiding the taste, I, I, I would like, I, I agree with Taylor that it's a, it's a delicate balance between potency and and flavor because the, the, the more you get in there the more it can override that taste and so being smart about that and being able to diversify um, and stand out amongst the crowd that's going to be the biggest thing with increased um, competition comes increased opportunity but you also have an increased oppor- uh, increased chance of getting lost in the sauce with with everybody else and so just ensuring that you stand out um, with a good product, a good work ethic, um, your relationships are good. And, and yeah, you know, it's, um, it's, it's not something that's going to be easy in the interim, but it's definitely something that's going to be worth it in the long term. Do you think that there's a major difference between male and females as far as what they prefer uh, in flavors and tastes? Well, we can kind of put that up to Taylor and I right now. I mean, I prefer to smoke more flour um, and do concentrates. Um, Taylor's tastes might be different than mine, but from um, a male's perspective, um, I, I tend to like smoking more. That's, that's what I enjoy. Um, Taylor, Taylor, what do you enjoy? I enjoy smoking flour. <laughs> So, so maybe but I, I don't want to taste it. that. I don't want to taste that while I'm taking a drink necessarily. Yeah. So maybe something we can say for that. Um, it's mm-hmm. definitely comparable between male and females, but the the vast majority of people don't want to be overpowered by the taste, the smell, or the smoke. And so really walking that fine line, like Taylor said, between potency and effectiveness. Is what we have to is what we have to do because if if we have too low of an amount inside of a drink, then there's really no point in drinking it. We have to have enough in there that the that the customer is going to feel the effects of the THC, but not into a point where it's overwhelming and and now you're you're couch locked and you you don't know what dimension you're in. So it, it it's definitely a, a a balance. However, I would leave that open to a little bit more of the customer's preference. Each person's different. Um, so, yeah, I think that would be kind of a, uh, a customer-by-customer basis and a, um, a client profile that would be determinant on the location of where you're selling. Yeah, and I think that there's a lot of new users, of course, getting into the market for the first time, whether it be in the last year or two. And then, of course, the ones who are in consideration. 
that's why we're, 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 we're definitely seeing a increase in the edible market um, because there's less, uh, uh, there's a less profile, lesser of a profile, um, like the smell, the taste and those sorts of things from edibles, you know, moving into the market to potentially fused uh, beverages uh, in the market that have that, that lesser of a taste and don't have the, the aroma of an alcohol or the aroma of a smokable flower um, that can be more discreet in that nature. I think that there, you know, as more people come on board um, with understanding and knowing not only the medicinal, the actual um, physical benefits and the, the health benefits to, you know, to the product, but, you know, how they consume it uh, could definitely be, you know, a key driver. Uh, that was one of the things and my experience, of course, is definitely different than Taylor's and, and Jesse's, but I was relatively a, a new user a few years ago. And, um, you know, that was one of the, my concerns. And that's where I started out in the edible environment um, and the, uh, also the ointment or lotion environment um, for, you know, muscle aches, pains, old injuries, and those sorts of things. So um, pretty interesting from that standpoint, but I, I definitely see an increase in more of a discreet uh, product usage as, you know, it becomes more and more acceptable, you know, in, uh, in our culture. So how can smaller cannabis businesses appeal to consumers and be chosen over the big brand labels? Uh, well, again, back to, I mean, back to the branding methodologies and environments. I, again, I think the story is, is very big. I think that paying attention to some of the market data uh, from that standpoint and ultimately what, uh, what, client, what client consumer is, uh, would they consider an ideal customer profile? I think that there should be a lot of time spent and who they're trying to reach and why they're trying to reach them. And uh, is it new users? Is it uh, emerging users? Is it, you know, um, you know, fundamentally uh, old school users, you know, from that standpoint, we want to use that, you know, that terminology. Um, but it's really understanding and knowing what they want to accomplish and making sure that they're, you know, being true to the brand that they created and, uh, you know, moving forward and, and making it happen. But I really think, I call it uh, diamonds in your, in your backyard. Make sure that you're locked in the community and make sure you're locked locally and, and where your you know, presence is. If you're a multi-state you know, operator, make sure you're paying attention to that particular market and uh, you know, work and expand out uh, as opposed to trying to take a look at a global environment and trying to you know, build in. Um, it's anchoring in and understanding and knowing your community. Uh, anchoring and understanding expansion of uh, those within proximity to the community. And then, of course, making sure that you have great brand awareness and are building trust in the market. Yeah, yeah. Likewise, to piggyback off of Anthony, there's a, a process that we use at higher yields that uh, we found very beneficial, and that's that's getting to the why. Um, Simon Sinek's uh, golden circle rule for um, entrepreneurship and inspiring leadership throughout a firm has really came, came in well in changing the way a lot of people look at entering the cannabis industry. This industry was built on illegality. Um, I mean, at, at its base point, we're still a federally illegal product. And so the, the relationships behind how you got to where you are 
the journey that you had and why you're doing what you're doing really carries a lot of people over that finish line. And, and like Anthony said, the brand awareness, or if people are aware of your why and, and what you're doing behind this and, and what, other, what other initiatives that your firm is, is passionate about, that type of differenti uh, differentiation in the marketplace really carries people forward. And, and that's something that we found is not only important, but it, but it helps open up the amount of opportunities that are possible to a company, just understanding why they're actually doing this. Well, I think that's about all the questions that we have for now. Uh, does anybody have any final thoughts? Um, my biggest thing is understand and always know that there are gaps in places and spaces for you to succeed. Uh, that's one of the things Higher Yields really prides itself on in our ex uh, eight years of experience of being in existence um, is really helping uh, organizations, no matter how big or small, you know, in this journey. Um, I look at it as this. It's not, a, uh, it's not a pie that you're trying to get a piece of. It's a bakery that you need to create and create your own pies as opposed to trying to um, think that there's only a minimal amount of, of, of slices in an existing pie. It's like go out, work, create, establish, anchor, and, and build your own bakery. And so, you know, from that standpoint, the, the opportunity is ripe. It's real. Uh, the industry is growing. Um, it's becoming an essential industry. And uh, it's just really nice to see, um, you know, how these organizations can really, you know, make a play and make, a, make their mark in, in an emerging industry like this. And, and, of course, higher yields can really help along that journey. Yeah, likewise, likewise. This is, uh, it's, I'm sure this is said a lot on these podcasts, but it's an exciting time for cannabis. Um, more government officials and people in power are starting to realize that there actually is something here. And it's a burgeoning industry. And just like uh, the beginning of the 1900s, getting in on, on oil, as soon as those first cars were rolled off the assembly line uh, is where we want to be. And making, just like Anthony said, uh, it's not about slices of a pie. It's about making your own bakery um, because this is, this is something that's not going to go anywhere. Um, and right now, supply cannot keep up with demand, especially in new states. So I encourage anybody that is looking to get in. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, raise your expectations. Uh, go, go, go bigger. <laughs> well, that sounds good. So on that note, I'd like to thank you all for being on the podcast today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for today. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. We'd like to thank everybody for tuning in today and listening to our podcast. For information on how to follow the Higher Enlightenment podcast, please be sure to check out the description below. You'll receive all the latest and greatest podcast news and announcements. We'll also let you know when we release new episodes. If you'd like to be a guest on the Higher Enlightenment podcasts or have ideas about upcoming episodes, please be sure to check out the description below. For information about sponsorship or advertising on the Higher Enlightenment podcast, please call us at 844-HIGH-YIELD. That's 844-H-I-Y-I-E-L-D. Or visit our website at higheryieldsconsulting.com. 
Thanks, have a great day, and we'll talk to you soon.